Hello, friends. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Kenton. This is Rewild University's Unleash Your Life podcast. What do you think of Let's Get Wild, baby? Maybe leave out the baby. For what? For the new name for Rewild University. What? Yeah, I've been thinking of different names, like Chipmunk Adventure and... You cannot be serious. But, what, what do you mean? Well, first of all, Chipmunk Adventure does not sound like a name that we need at the moment. Well, it's more kid-oriented, and it kind of has a whole adventureness and... Yeah, but that's not... What's wrong with Rewild University? That's how people know us. Isn't there something to branding? Yeah, I guess so. But we've just always, you know, thought about, is Rewild University the name for what we do? Mm. Yeah, okay, I can see your point there. I mean, rewilding university, but we kind of do more than that. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well... Or different than that? We started this whole thing off with basically the idea to do some bushcraft videos, but hopefully to have our videos have something more inside of them and then as the school developed and things grew it became a lot more about mindfulness about helping people to see how civilization was impacting them and find new ways to live but but not necessarily go live in the woods you know new ways to live in their normal lives yeah i'm kind of all about how can you do practical applications Right, yeah. Yeah, because I, appreciate I don't that about think you. <laughs> I'm going to ask, for example, my sister, who has three kids and you know all of that, to go live in the woods. That <laughs> would not necessarily be her thing. So, yeah, but I well, guess what's wrong with Rewild? Would we be better off with something that is about mindfulness, like Mindfulness University or something like that? Because we really focus a lot on mindfulness and the benefits of meditation and connecting with that mind inside of us you know okay i guess the whole thing comes down to what we do is about rewilding Mm -hmm. at least in the way i think of it but there's a lot of definitions of rewilding out there and some of them don't have i don't know the greatest feeling around them like what are you talking about well maybe we should go back to the beginning beginning beginning. oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> Don't you have all sorts of special features where you can make an echo, echo, echo? Yeah, I just hit that. Didn't you hear that button? Yeah. That's really incredible Kenton, the way it does that. <laughs> stop. Okay, so let's talk about where the world, the world, where the world came from. <laughs> We're not going that far back, Rebecca. Where the word rewild or rewilding came from originally. Well, there's so much debate about that, and. It goes back to the 90s, probably, when... Oh, that's ancient. Yeah, when it's attributed to, oh, this one journalist and this other guy and this person. and So I don't think there's any point in trying to juggle names. Okay, say, so let's, can we, can we narrow it down and say what that word, that term, was used for at that time? Or were each of those different, too? Well, in general, it was used for what we call ecological rewilding, mm. which is... This concept that we have our environment, which has become very fractured into little islands of a very domesticated nature, where most places are logged, we regulate the species, Mm. and we try to keep a natural balance according to human ideals. 
the concept with rewilding was what if we let some places go wild again? If we, for instance, look at a park like Yellowstone and we say we got rid of all the wolves because, well, wolves maybe are scary and ate some of the cute furry things that people like to look at. <laughs> and, and then we said, well, wow, that changed the whole oh, environment. Oh, oh, what is that book? Where the wild things were. Mm -hmm. Have we talked about that before? I don't think we That's have. what comes to mind here, was that book, yeah. the scientists studying. Which when we reference a book, we really should drop the author. So we'll have to do that down in the description or in the... Yeah, I'm sorry, because it just it was... popped in my mind and I couldn't exactly tell you. I'm, I'm not good with facts like that. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> well, thank goodness I'm not being judged here. But it was just fascinating to me when you were telling me about some of the things you had read, how when you take away that top predator and some of the other things in that environment, how the cascade. Yeah, famously it changes the way that streams run and they start running differently than they do. They start running straight instead of having the meanders, I believe. That yeah, there's happens. all those little different things. How does that happen? Way down to like what plants grow and then what insects are there yeah. because of that. It also reminds me of the man who planted trees. Mm, yeah, drop the author. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Johann von Schluckerbach. <laughs> well, I can't always do that. I'm, I'm, this is conversational, okay? <laughs> but that's a neat thing, and there's a real-life person. Where is he? In Australia? No. In... Yeah, I have no idea, actually. Well, I'm going to find out some of this, and we're going to put it down in the put information. That? that was a yeah. video, right? Well, the That's man who planted trees is a video, and then there's a real-life quote kind of man who had mm. a bunch of land. Oh, I can't remember exactly where, and he let it just go. Mm. Everyone's saying, oh, you can't do that. You can't. you got to manage it. And now, however many years later, there's trees, and there's water, and... Oh, okay. I get excited about this. <laughs> So that's kind of ecological rewilding. Yeah. And then some people started to say, well, the funny thing is we, you and I thought that we came up with this concept of human rewilding, which was if we can rewild these environments, mm. what if we could rewild ourselves? If there was something inside of us that correlated with domesticated environments, environments that had been hugely impacted by human activity. And what if we could find that thing inside of us? Mm -hmm. And well, we soon learned that we did not invent that concept, that all kinds of other people before us had already thought of this. But we had it, what I feel like is a different approach to it. People would come to the school and we would introduce them to nature in a way that I feel was simultaneously gentle and compassionate, but also really challenge them. Mm -hmm. And then, at least from my observations, people would start to feel different. They'd have a different interior feeling of wellness. They would mentally be different. They'd become more compassionate and caring and responsible. They would be, their physicalness would change. They'd become healthier and more resilient and more cold adapted and more able to resist pain and discomfort and illness. And all these things just seem to happen when people are out in nature, which well, it reinforced this thought in us mm -hmm. that there is something that is more like unlearning. It's not that they go out and they learn how to do these things. 
It's that they go out and once they're in nature and you're not constrained by the same rules and concepts and... Expectations. Yeah. That, for instance, you start to become more compassionate towards other people, towards yourself, towards the other beings that you live with in the forest. I would say that I definitely noticed changes take place. And I almost want to say, as you said, it isn't, it wasn't the teaching, it was the unteaching, but maybe not even that. It was almost a re-remembering of something that is inherent in each of us. And if we're just given the right environment, which requires, as you said, some gentleness for sure, I think time without time, Mm -hmm. a period of life without clocks and structure, Mm. and also challenges that say, hey, you're here because you want to see things differently, so how can you do that? Those elements all combine to help people connect to, I don't want to necessarily call it your inner spark or your inner nature, but in a way I feel like we all have that inner nature that knows things and again this maybe sounds woo woo but knows things without having to be taught them yeah i think it was a huge paradigm shift for me because you know we were brought up in a culture where for instance the dominant cultural religion has a message that says humans are intrinsically flawed and maybe even very bad And then rewilding this concept comes along and says, actually, a lot of this negative, probably most of this negative, quote, behavior that you see humans engaging in has more to do with this process of civilization, the way we've been crammed together, the way our behaviors have been constrained, and that when people are set free, the natural self, their innate self, is actually good is positive that changes the whole way we think about ourselves when we think about ourselves as oh my gosh i'm actually a really worthy compassionate loving creature if i'm acting differently that's not even my natural behavior Mm. then we start to discover well some stuff that science is supporting for instance as we become more mindful as we become our mind becomes less pushed around by all these elements of our civilization, then we start to become more compassionate, less aggressive. We become more giving. We become more joyful, less stressed. It's... It's crazy, but if I start to think about it, and this is just a thought that's tumbling out at the moment, sure, we might look back at a more, quote, primitive version of ourselves and say, wow, life was really tough back then. Think about, you know, we're always like, oh, the saber-toothed tigers and disease and and finding your food. But I almost feel if I, and I can, I don't know what it was truly like, but I almost feel that if I look at modern humankind, the stress that we are under, that we have put ourselves on so many levels, everything from our diet to what we should be in our culture is far more challenging than what perhaps we encountered back then. Or maybe it's just such a different environment now for ourselves that I don't know how we do it. I mean, we have that surviving civilization course. To survive civilization now is truly a challenge. Mm. 
Yeah, it is. It's easy to look back and say things were worse in the past. And of course, we can't actually know what things were like in the past. A lot of us have been given the idea that our former ancestors, you know, our ancestors mm-hmm. were very warlike and fought each other. But if you do the research and check it out, you'll find that there's not really a lot of evidence for our ancient ancestors being very warlike. We started to see that as we became more civilized, yes. But were we in the ancient past? Hard to say. We don't have a lot of evidence supporting either ideal necessarily. There's a lot of guesswork that happens, but it's easy to say, okay, well, we probably lived to be 34, 35 years old. Well, that sucks. But the people that would come to Rewald University would probably tell you, yeah, maybe you lived a shorter amount of time, but the quality of life when you're out in nature is very different. And also the passage of time. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Students always would talk about that, how time dilates for you when you're out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's something we don't realize. We just take for granted that it's better to live to 80 than to 30. But we live in a world of clocks where our time is chopped up and it goes very fast. And if you talk to almost anybody over the age of, well, when they're 40, they'll say, time goes a lot faster than when I was 30. When they're 50, they'll say, it goes a lot faster than when I was 40. When they're 80, they'll say, wow, the year's just flying by. We know in our own life experience, that is not, as some people have asserted, just a consequence of being older and then the contrast of how much time you've been alive compared to how much time is passing. It actually has to do with mindfulness. When you are mindful, time goes at basically at the speed you desire it to go at. You can make it go faster or slower. But in general, the choice is to make it go slow. And when you live out in the woods, a month, that can feel like years. Yeah, it can. Well, of course, any time that we sit around and we have time on our hands, how, okay, how often do you have time on your hands anymore these days? Mm-hmm. And when you do, I mean, that's just boredom. How many of us would get bored if, if you were sat down and someone said to you, okay, here you go. Here's a spot out on the grass. It's under a tree and you're just going to sit here for the next two hours. You don't get to read. You don't get to do anything, but you're just going to relax here, sit, lay down, stretch, whatever. How quickly would some of us be like, oh my gosh, get me back to do, do, doing. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And I think we had a lot of students at the school really come up against that in their minds. Oh, I can't stand it. And of course, then songs would play in their head and their mind, their monkey mind, would do anything it could. Keep it going. Come on, come on, come on. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny that you say monkey mind because we have one of our YouTube uh, subscribers who is super into primates, an amazing, amazing man. And, And he would say, well, you know, the monkey mind isn't maybe a great way to put it because monkeys often have much calmer minds than humans do. <laughs> but we use that. So we as, should call it the human mind? <laughs> we should, maybe we should start calling it the human mind because that's the mind on this planet that is perhaps the most spastic. Cluttered. Cluttered. Again, though, I, I, I like to think of it as the little me mind because mm. there's that little me in each of us that just wants its own needs satisfied. 
again, if I think of the students, however, I think of them, usually this would happen within the first two weeks, mm-hmm. would be the slowing down of time, the I can't stand it, and often, okay, I need to go home. I've experienced everything I need to experience. I'm ready to go home. <laughs> oh, we hear that so often, yeah. Okay, and then we would say, just wait a little longer, just wait a little longer. And the majority of students would wait a little longer, and all of a sudden, after mm. they passed that wall, they would come and say, I can't believe it. Mm. I have this stillness. I have this peace. A hummingbird flew right in front of my nose this morning. I've never been so close to a wild animal. And something would shift. And so, again, that quote, human mind or little me mind, I don't think is necessarily an inherent part of us, but rather a response to the culture and the expectations that we've grown up with. Right, exactly. So we can say, oh, the human's got the most spastic mind on the planet. And that's easy to think, well, that's the way the human mind is. But the human mind is not like that. I feel like we can say this with confidence, not only from seeing that transformation in so many of our forest monks, but also experiencing that in our own mindfulness journey. And the human mind, as it gets back to its roots, to its naturalness, to its rewilded state, Mm -hmm. is calm, it's joyful, it takes pleasure and joy in the most, quote, mundane things. Rain falling out of the sky and watching it fall into a puddle or feeling it on your skin, sitting in a tree and having that bird come close Mm. to you, that hummingbird whiz by your nose. There's all these deeply rich experiences that start to fill up a day. I can spend the whole day on the computer and watching YouTube videos and and read book and make dinner. And that day feels qualitatively completely different than a day that is spent out in nature where there still may be, quote, work to do. But you consider the work of, let's say, hunting. You're going to be sitting by that tree for two or three hours in stillness, in meditative stillness. You're going to have some amazing encounters with insects and animals. You're going to be immersed in nature. You're going to have numerous experiences in that three hours of waiting beside a trail with your, with your spear to hunt that are just life-filling, that are rich, that are deep in experiential color and flavor, which is very different than what we experience in our modern lives. So you start to imagine days like this, and your life in your wild state is very rich. Well, first of all, I just have to say this because I'm thinking of it, and I can drop a name here, Mary Oliver, the famous poet. We've talked of her before, I think. Why I Wake Early some collected poems of hers that are about nature and i feel that she captures the essence of what you might experience if you were a forest monk and you had made it to that point where you could simply sit and observe a heron and and feel the whole experience so why i wake early Mm. by mary oliver excellent to give you just a taste of that but what i really want to say is aside from a book of poetry or something like that that gives us a taste we can experience what we're talking about in our modern lives mm. yes we can i mean we don't have to go all the way out into the woods cast off everything live in a loincloth in order to have a taste of that rewilded self 
which is why we focus so much on the mindfulness, because the mindfulness is that natural, that rewilded mind state. And I can sit here in the closet where we record, and I can be really just stunned at the color of this blue shirt in front of me, the richness of it, the beauty of it. Your eyes, when you look over at me right now, this is a stunning, amazing life experience that I can have <laughs> if I'm in that mindful, rewilded mind state, or I can just let my mind get into what I kind of call civilization mode, where it's all bzzz, kind of a buzz static, and I glance over everything and nothing really the autopilot impacts state. me. Yeah, and that's when life starts to feel fast. It goes by because it's just static. Our mind isn't very interested in static. And also almost rather meaningless in a way. What is our what is our inherent value if that's what we're doing? It's just the same over and over and over again. But I believe it's just about training our brains. We just simply have to train our brains to look at it differently. And the more that we do that, it's just like exercising any part of the body, the stronger that becomes. Yeah. But the thing that troubles me a little bit is that there are a lot of voices in the rewilding community. We don't even look out and check those out very often. But when we do, I feel like I often see anger towards mm. civilization. I'm not going to put out names, but I feel like especially some of the bigger voices in rewilding have either looked at rewilding as just a means to make a lot of money or as a means to get people angry to try to create an in-group and an out-group. Yeah. We're the rewilders. We are smarter and wilder and, and more natural. But I feel like, well, I guess in my opinion, and of course this is just my bias, what a lot of the voices in rewilding have missed is the most important part of rewilding, which is to take the time to rewild their own minds. And if they would do this, they would be finding that they have a different focus than feeling angry or bitter towards civilization. Not being like, oh, how can I make the coolest new product to get X amount of more dollars? It becomes instead about soaking joyously into this moment of life and the natural feeling that we have of compassion which is also part of that rewilded mind, wants to share that with others, not force it upon them, but share it with them if it's something that they also desire. I think that was well said, and that can happen across so many subjects, not just rewilding. I think when I think about that, it reminds me of any issue where we know there's a problem. And so often we're told, here's the issue. Okay, here's a problem with our oceans. Here's a problem with this, with that. And in a way, we all know that. And so I can get discouraged. How can I know that I'm a terrible person because I drove my car today? But where are the solutions? Mm -hmm. And when we talk about rewilding ourselves, our minds, that's an immediate initial solution for yourself right there. And then once you have that, that's a kernel, a seed that can then grow and spread and help other people. And if we each could do that, there could be actual change all over the place. Yeah, to me, it's such a, you know, as we look at how could we change this world, the method of, okay, let's 
wait for civilization to fall apart or let's try to destroy civilization ourselves those just aren't meaningful positive or even viable methods of moving forward however saying all right how can we change the trajectory of what's happening in a positive way that change of course begins with me i have to make those changes inside of myself i have to model them and then others can embrace that and find their own changes and those changes have to create more positivity you know i'm not going to get a lot of people unless i use anger or fear i'm not going to get a lot of people wanting to join up with my concept of rewilding if it creates more junk in their life that they don't enjoy if it gives them a deeper sense of life joy and satisfaction and fulfillment that's different then people will naturally start moving into that way of living and we might start finding wow i find a lot more value in my community and connecting with the people around me than buying 10 new products today <laughs> <laughs> well there's something to retail therapy however <laughs> i think that is also a product of a lot of our culture it's interesting to me but i'm always looking in my own personal life at how can i make a marriage a marriage of a rewild itself with the world we currently have and there are parts of the world i don't like however as you've said instead of getting angry or down about it how can i in my very own life in my own personal world make a change make a marriage between the rewilded self and living in this world because, of course, there are times, and we've talked about this, that we've said, okay, let's just buy, you know, 100 acres in Alaska and go live in a little cabin or something and get out of the situation. But to me, that doesn't actually solve anything for anybody else except for me. And in the end, that doesn't feel good. It doesn't resonate with me. So how can I take a marriage of my rewilded self and this technological sort of mixed up world? How can I find the best of both of those to create a going forward that is filled with positivity. Mm. So essentially, that's what I come back to as a question for myself. How do I get to marry those two worlds together? Wow. Big question. Important question. And different than I think is maybe being asked by some of the rewilding community who feels more like we should just get rid of all of that tech. And the only answer is to go back to a completely you know, un-tech we don't really have a good word for that. I don't want to say uncivilized because in some ways we're more civilized before we were civilized. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Again, we can't know the past. We can't know. We can only ask what kind of future will we create for ourselves and the people and beings coming along behind us. Yeah. And that's a really important question that doesn't have a single answer, but is answered, I think, in every moment of our day of every action that we take we answer that question will i go forward with positivity will i look for ways to connect with other creatures will i look for the ways to be my best self or will i choose a different route will i choose anger will i choose fear will i become depressed or disgusted or jaded and not choose you know choose a different answer essentially and that can seem really like a tough thing to put in front of a person because well how do i make those choices because there's so many forces pushing us towards kind of more negative mindsets but that to me that's where rewilding and that mindfulness approach rewilding 
our minds, that covers all the bases. When we do that, we don't necessarily have to look at all the symptoms of the disease anymore and try to deal with those symptoms because we're looking at the base root of the disease itself and delivering a cure. Well, I think we're ready to talk a little bit about our action points. Yeah, yeah time action for points. you to at... unleash your life. <laughs> and action point number one is basically, how are we gonna add our version of rewilding <laughs> to our life? How can you add what, what we're talking about to your life and essentially, it, it's about rewilding your mind. Rewilding your mind. And here's what we're going to do. Now, this is kind of a funny thing because we're going to offer you our online rewild your mind course for free. <laughs> However, and it's funny because we have to be totally honest. <laughs> We've always offered it for free. <laughs> so we put a price tag on this course when we first started it. But we also said down there by the price tag that if somebody couldn't afford it, that we were happy to gift it to them. And once COVID hit, then we put an additional banner on the top and just said, we just would love to give this for free to anybody who wants it. So we want to make it feel like, oh, we're giving you something special here, but <laughs> it's the offer that's out there to the whole world. And we hope that doesn't make it feel any less special and i think it's hilarious because of course it's sort of using technology to help oh. us kind of find our wild self so that's <laughs> to me i always think it's a little bit silly oh my gosh that's been our whole journey with this right can yeah. we use tech to get people untechier more <laughs> let's get them outside to get out? them connected <laughs> with that inner nature well you know sometimes way back before i met kenton people would talk about survival and what's the most important thing? Food, shelter, water, fire. And of course, there's all different answers for different situations. But when I met Kenton, I really learned that the most essential survival tool is our mindset. How we see a situation, how we react can mean the difference between life and death. And I said earlier, I think surviving our civilization has become one of our biggest challenges. And so again, our mindset in meeting our civilization and in fact, not just surviving it, but thriving in it and enjoying it and sharing that with others has everything to do with how we are going to see the world and respond. And not necessarily whether we will live or die as in a nature-based survival situation, but whether we will feel alive or feel dead in our everyday actions and experience of life. So the Rewild Your Mind course is a series of videos that Rebecca and I did a while back that covers a lot of aspects of what we talk about. It's the whole course there, and it is yours should you choose to accept it. Just write to us. You can go to rewildu.com, or you can email us at rewilduniversity at gmail.com, and let us know, and we will sign you up for it for free. And... Yeah, I think that is the start of rewilding your mind without being able to come out and do the Forest Monk program or something like that. Yeah, but of course, some basic things are simply just asking questions, spending time 
slowing down a little bit, spending more time in nature. We can't necessarily say everything that's in the whole course here on the podcast. (laughs) That's why we have the course. But those are just some basic things. If you know you want to connect more with your inner nature, then keep that as a little sort of torch in front of you that's lighting your way and things will will find you and you will find the things that you need to help you go deeper. Number two, uncover or explore your true nature. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I think it's important to step forth first and say, this is not about forcing new habits on yourself. That just feels like work and is definitely not fun and inspiring and it usually doesn't have long-term results. I feel like this is an invitation to a quest, but a very different sort of quest than the ones we usually go on. In the usual quest, we go out and we're trying to gain something. We're trying to get a something to add to our life. But in this quest, we are going inside of ourselves and looking for something that's already there, but just has been covered up. And just embarking on the quest with that attitude of thinking, all right, there is something beautiful and special inside of me that is intrinsically me. And I might have had a lot of messaging in the past where people were telling me I'm not good enough or I'm not a, actually a worthy being or I, I'm worthless or whatever these messages are that we may have gotten in the past. And to radically, well, maybe rewrite those and say, you know what? I am a natural wild being. I'm a part of this planet, this gigantic ecosystem, this spaceship Earth. And wow, I want to uncover my connection with that whole range of being, with the other animals and plants that I share this planet with, with the planet itself, with myself the parts of me that are real? Can I go in and find those and start to identify with those instead of with, well, my career or my bank statement or whatever? Yeah, that's so profound and also exciting because there are many paths to find and connect more with your true nature. And it's something that actually you cultivate and it evolves. And it is like this mystery where you uncover things. And there are all different ways to do that. It might be just taking time for yourself, taking more time out in nature, deciding you are going to connect with the planet and the creatures on it. Maybe it is noticing how you treat yourself and other people, that you have lots of expectations for yourself and you are that worthless person if you don't fulfill them. And then if that's true for yourself, how does that then ripple out to other people. There's all different ways to start noticing. Maybe you want to start a mindfulness practice. You want to start some meditation and some stillness in your life so that you can see and notice how you live in your life. But the truth is we have that inner nature there. I often think of it as my best self. Mm. And so I have my, my best self and I have my little me. And as I'm going forward in life, if I'm trying to pay attention, if I'm on that quest, I can ask myself as I move into something, what, is my, what does my best self feel about this? And what is my little me saying? And I can ask, is this my little me telling me to do something? Don't do it. You might look like a fool, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Or is it my best self going, hey, give it a shot. You, you, know, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Wow. 
Beautiful, Becca. Oh, why, thank you. I did curl my hair today, and oh, uh, well, that's not what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just have so much faith in the insides of us. I believe we can all be touched, and we all have it in us to make a difference, not in our just in our life, but in the life of the whole planet, especially if we really just try to find that voice, to listen to that inner self of ours. Becca and I want to say personally to you that we believe in you. We believe in you. And we believe that you have this beautifulness inside of you that is who you are. And we want to be here in the ways that we can to help support you in bringing that out. So write to us, take us up on that offer for the free course, we would love to hear from you. Tell us how you rewild your life, what you think of rewilding, what it means to you, and the path and the journey that you're on. Because it isn't about being perfect. It's just about seeing that every moment is perfect, whether it's shiny or it's slightly lopsided, that none of that matters except for that real understanding and sharing of that moment you're in. Well, I think you've convinced me, Becca. Do you want to keep the name? Keep the name. Okay, because I was trying to think Chipmunk Adventures. I wasn't sure how I was going to do that. It's still a good name, isn't it? Yeah, Chipmunk of. Adventures. I'm not sure. It makes me think of like little golf carts with sunflowers on the top. And golf carts? And people driving around. I don't know. <laughs> it just got adventures, you know, and you're like driving around. <laughs> or something. Anyway, I think Rewild oh. University is totally suitable. And we should put our attention to something else. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Well, we will see you soon, and we love you all. Mwah. <laughs>